and everybody to Evolve Corner, your source for Texas law, news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media, at LonghornPod on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic, or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who loves watching this revenge tour as much as he loves watching the movie Unforgiven. Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Oh, I, uh, ooh, that's, that's, that's a good one. I, I, I don't know if I fancy myself, a Clint Eastwood, Gene Hackman or Morgan Freeman in this scenario, but, uh, um, I don't know. I love Morgan Freeman in all times. I, I'll tell you, Gerald, uh, it's been fun to watch, uh, Texas doesn't have to be back. Doesn't have to be anything, but just people who've, who've, uh, gotten big in their respective britches, uh, and that could be any number of, of teams. too big? Could be. Could be. Britches may be a little tight uh, for a lot of the teams in the Big 12 who, you know, have come to some prominence, probably not coincidentally at the same time Texas has struggled quite a bit. And, um, you know, it's just, it's it's nice to remind them that even on one of our worst days, on a, on a, on a very no-good, miserable, very bad, lousy day, you still walk away with a W. Um I'll take it, right? Because it is, you know, it's an a- absolute travesty and embarrassment to lose to a team like Iowa State. Uh, and we did it four times. Don't, 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 don't over here and justify their existence and, and say, you know, anything other than that. It is an embarrassment to lose to them and remind their fans that they're, they're, um, they're perfectly fine with being uh, reminded that they're, they're, they're relative size. Those aren't Kyle's words. Those are the sentiments of former players that we've seen on Twitter that like they were parts of championship teams. They're parts of just average teams. Right. But they mentioned that like they knew it was bad when Texas was losing to Iowa State, which we'll have another conversation about that later on in culture and all of that. But like in this, like Matt Campbell has tried built something in Iowa State and maybe he has missed his window to move on and maybe he doesn't want to move on. We're not the Iowa State folks, but um this is a this is a conversation. We're going to talk a lot about this today of Texas seemingly turning the corner, right? Even from earlier this year. Last year, this is a game that Texas loses, and there were opportunities to lose it. And shout out to Xavier Hutchinson for dropping the widest open of wide open touchdown passes that has ever existed. Um, but you know. Texas put itself in position to be the beneficiary of some good luck by coming back and storming back and, and converting on a fourth and goal to, to take the lead. So, right, there is an opportunity for those good breaks to happen when you make your own breaks. And for Texas fans, it feels like it's starting to feel like the shoulders are relaxing, the cheeks are unclenching, right? It's starting to feel like, are we allowed to feel good? Like, can we feel good? Or is this going to be another, like, another... Uh, waiting for the other shoe to drop. And I'm conditioned as a lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, as a former New York Metropolitans fan, I'm conditioned for the other shoe to drop, right? Uh, so like, it's just starting to feel like maybe, even after Texas Tech earlier this year, that Texas is figuring out how to win ugly, how to win your clunkers, and how to get out of there with a terrible offensive performance from your, court, your star quarterback and still come away with a W. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's it, right? It's it's we we said it to each other. I think we said it on our, our instant um, reaction live stream. It's uh, Texas doesn't Texas doesn't win that game last year. Doesn't win that game probably most like seasons out of the past five, six, seven years. Um, Gerald made the great point. Tweeted out, we, we didn't win that game a couple weeks ago, right? Like against Texas Tech, that that script where everything doesn't go right and they do something that you're not necessarily expecting them or ready for. In this case, throw for a lot of yards. Didn't see that one coming. Um, but look, I mean, Texas got its its win, right? I won't say first win. Uh, its win against the best defense in the conference, right? Like give give them credit where, where they deserve it. That's the best defense in, in the, in the big 12 right now. And um, Texas was able to do enough. 24 points isn't a lot, but look, Texas defense gave up less points than the best defense in the conference. It's saying something. Um, I don't think they have the same level of offense as Texas, but nonetheless, they did what they needed to do. The right players stepped up at the right time. You had some guys who really, when you talk about culture, this was a culture win because some guys who willed it, right? Roshan, Bijan, um, Anthony Cook, like some seniors, uh, Jalen Ford, a junior, guys who have been around who who willed that thing uh, over the finish line because they don't want five and seven. Like, you have to think the bad taste left in mouths of last year. You have to think the bad taste of losing four times to a team like Iowa State that you know you're better than, that literally makes a slogan out of it, right? Out of their entire athletic or football program at least slogan is five-star culture not five-star players like that is a direct shot at texas um loved roshan tweeting out after the game that it was a five-star win um but uh you know it like that definitely was there that taste in there they 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 could have given up they could have fallen back they could have laid down ugly wins are way better than pretty losses we saw i guess you could say pretty losses last year seven times um now five of them um but I'll take an ugly win every day. Like Gerald said, win your clunkers. That's important. Win with your C stuff. Win with not your best stuff. But just make sure that you're not doing that weeks in a row. You gotta get. You gotta come back from that. And you could see, you know, OU, Oklahoma State. This is the game in between. Everyone knew Iowa State was down. Um, it was a home game between a, a, a Cotton Bowl and a, a trip to Stillwater that are big, big games out of. You could see where it could just be a little bit easy. Um, Sark said they didn't need extra motivation for it, but. It did feel like in that first half, that first quarter, that they certainly did. We'll just dive in. I mean, we've got a lot to talk about today, but Kyle mentioned the first quarter. Uh, the offense was lethargic, and the defense got their butts whipped, right? Like, oh, uh, Iowa State outgained Texas 101-27 to 27 in the first quarter. Texas was averaging negative 1.8 yards per rush. They were averaging 2.7 yards per play compared to Iowa State's 5.9. Texas allegedly did not need extra motivation. Um, but I wouldn't check that against the uh, stat sheet. But Texas got it together, outscored Iowa State 14 to nothing in the second quarter to take a lead into the first into the, the halftime uh, to come out and get the ball. We can talk about the, the, the second four of the middle eight, right? Everybody talks about the middle eight in the last four minutes of the first half and the first four minutes of the second half. Texas did really well in the first part of the middle eight and did very poorly in the second part of the middle eight, was not able to capitalize on a long drive. Burt Auburn kicked a field goal to go up 10. They left 
like 11-ish points on the board in that run. So Texas should have, in theory, been up 28-7 to instead of 17-7 to and let Iowa State storm back in. And, Kyle, that's been my biggest critique of the offense and of Texas thus far is that it just feels like when it's time for Texas to lay that knockout blow on an opponent, especially on the offensive side, they just it seems like there's something missing. Yeah, I, I would agree with you, right? I would agree that it's it's not as simple as first half, second half. It's not as simple as anything. It's I think Gerald said it right. It's there's those chances that you have to seize the game and, and just choke the life out of it. Um, they did kind of do that against West Virginia, though there was certainly more meat on that bone. They could have done it better. Could have done it earlier. Um, there was there was you know some drives where it's like all right, here it is, just ride that momentum and the finishing blow in the third quarter, right? Um, Against OU, I think they they had it because they just were going to beat that team regardless, and they they were locked in. Um, but in this one, yeah, there, there certainly was. Like take out the fact that they could have had a touchdown, uh, a scoop and score in the first you know minute, uh, and then didn't even get the field goal. Right, that's tough. But look at later, right when you go touchdown, touchdown into the half, right one right before the half, come out with a long drive. Uh, 75 yards and then have to settle for a field goal. That's okay. That's all right. But your next two drives are punt, punt, and they score touchdown, touchdown, right? Like any one of those, if you're able to get it out, one was also a three and out, right? Like if, if you're able to turn that into something, if you're able to stem that tide, if you're able to put a couple plays together, if you're able to dig in the playbook and call something out, if you're able to, you know, push a little harder on the line to give a seam for a running back, uh, you know, it, it, like there were macro things. There were some, some quarterback wide receiver issues, um, some drops on both sides, obviously some, some accuracy issues a couple times. Um, but again, like it's just that killer instinct. Like Gerald said, when you lock in and you say, okay, it doesn't really matter. We're going to give our defense a chance to, to breathe because we're going to get up so big that they don't have to make a stop on this one. It's not mandatory that they make a big play, you know, an interception on the goal line, a fumble when they're driving. Like we don't have, we don't force our defense to do that. We're the offense that has been so lauded all offseason, each individual talent on it. Um, and then even collectively, right? Like show up and make that play. And it, it does still feel like that's missing. I will say, look, they got a touchdown when they needed it on a fourth down. And it was their guys, Xavier Worthy. He did step up in that moment. And Sark stepped up as a play caller. I loved it. Like you, you, you incredible route from that you think about Jimbo Fisher having that in the bag they might have beat Alabama but you know Xavier Worthy ran it just so flawlessly perfectly and uh and and it took some guts to call that and they executed it and so you know you can you can rise and execute and win and that was enough that was enough to get the win but what if they could rise and execute and be executioners right like like actually cut the game off like seal it off and have a nice easy last 10 minutes where you just kind of ride it out like that would be that's that next step we need to see from this team. These things that we're talking about, these things in a win, it could have been a uh, much larger win, a much more padded win. Uh, but when push comes to shove, we talked about it in the post game. John Heacock is easily, I will say maybe not easily, but but um, there is a legitimate argument for John Heacock being one of the best defensive coordinators in the country. Mm-hmm. For sure, he's one of the best defensive coordinators in the conference. Mm-hmm. And that's what he does is he makes, especially young quarterbacks, look silly and have tough games. And Quinn Ewers, for his credit, 17 of 26 for 172, a pedestrian number there, but threw three touchdowns and really graded out well. And 
we have to, as we talk about that, shout out, you know, freshman Kelvin Banks, who was one of the top graded freshmen this year. We didn't hear Will McDonald's name a ton. And that's one of the big advantages that Iowa State has is that like Will McDonald is a dude straight up and down. There's no two ways around it. So like Kelvin Banks coming in and shutting down one of, again, a, a yet another week, one of the best pass rushers in the country is huge because well, let's think back. Will Anderson against Alabama didn't hear much of him, right? It's like there the fact that Kelvin Banks has come in and, and been what he has been has really been um, – I don't know how to say it other than like a revolution for Texas as far as what they're able to do offensively. Yeah, if you're an elite uh, defensive end prospect named Will, like you, you don't want to have to play Kelvin Banks. Um, I, unfortunately, um, the Kansas State top edge uh, first name is Felix uh, instead of Will, um, but that's okay. I think he can do that too. But I mean, speaking of Kansas State, right? Will McDonald had two sacks last week against them in a, in a you know ten to nine game, right? Those things are huge in, in close games like that, and the type of football that Iowa State wants to play, getting you behind the the chains and their defense being able to feast on that is a huge, huge, huge part. I mean, like everyone talks about like Haycock's schemes and pressures and his run fits and his you know his his uh three safety look and how the all the things they can do to confuse you with that but their ability to blitz from all kind of different angles is also enormous out of this defense because they can you know turn it their three three five into five guys coming drop the ends and all three linebackers go like they can do some different stuff they really can and it can be confusing not just for a a young quarterback but definitely for a young offensive lineman it makes what Kelvin Banks is doing like almost incredible right like it's it's wild that people aren't talking you can drop that almost that's straight up it's straight up incredible. it is i mean that people aren't talking about him as the best freshman in the country just bar none and this isn't a redshirt freshman my friends this is a pure uh dancing at prom a couple months ago uh can't grow a can't grow a mustache (laughs) to save his life that's that's right. I mean, he, he's he's big enough. He he probably can can buy beer. I don't know, but um, <laughs> but he uh, you know he he's like having an unbelievable season. You have to call him out as much as any person on the team. He was definitely our, our best run blocker, but also graded out uh, as the best pass blocker um, on this on this team. And again, a day when. They needed every bit they could get on offense, right? You didn't expect that with as well as they looked against OU, but. Much different scheme, much different kind of system and and system in place, right? That amount of time that it's been in place, they can just plug and play. They have guys who know their exact assignment. They tackle really well with, you know, they don't give up the secondary stuff. Like, you know, there was a third down conversion earlier that I thought was, you know, crazy when I watched it. And then I went back and watched the play design. It was a short pass, a crossing route to Xavier Worthy that was definitely short of the sticks. But when you saw the design... It, it was actually basically a downfield screen. They had blockers set up like a, a outside the hash downfield tunnel screen. It was a kind of crazy setup. Um, and it was it was there. It was there for Worthy to go, except the, the trailing defender, and it's hard to do that on Xavier Worthy when he catches in stride, had a speed burst to get downhill and just chop his legs out. If he doesn't make that play, that's probably a first down in a in a in a pretty genius play call. Like they have um, the discipline and the and, and the ability, even though these aren't you know five star kids, they have uh, they're really sound in what they're supposed to do and in that philosophy, and and they're empowered to do that. Um, so it's it's hard to do things. And again, when you need every yard on the ground and in the air uh, against a really good defense, like having a freshman tackle and, and give some props to Christian Jones too is the second highest graded offensive lineman um, who looked great and um, 
you know, like both of those guys, I'm so happy for Banks coming in and living up to to hyping the top offensive line recruit in the country, and Jones having a night and day season from last year. And again, you heard Will McDonald's name a lot last year. You've heard it a lot in other games this season. You heard him make one tackle in the third quarter against this one. He just was shut down. Their whole kind of defensive line uh, in front was, and that's pretty incredible. This team, like we're going to talk about the running backs in a moment. They didn't give up rushing yards all season. That this was an anomaly when Texas came in and decided they were going to do that. And you mentioned the running game. This was this was the stat that blew my mind. If Bijan Robinson was a team of, of of himself, he would have the highest ground total as a team against Iowa State this year. Twenty eight carries, hundred thirty five yards. Tack on to that, thirty six receiving yards, including uh, a massive, massive snag uh, at the end of the first half to kind of set up the go ahead score for Texas. Uh, Roshan Johnson did what Roshan does. Comes comes in eleven carries, seventy one yards, but gets the culture play. Gets the the five yards at the end of the game. Jay Witt uh, carries him over the line because of course it's Jordan Winnington doing that, right? Like those two guys, Te- Bijan Robinson, Roshan Johnson. Are or at least were on Saturday the heart and soul of what Texas was doing on offense, and we'll talk about on the defensive side just a little bit different kind of the flip side of that. But like when those two guys get going, two hundred yards between the two of them, there are very few defenses in the country that can do much about what Texas wants to do when both of those guys get off. Yeah, and and there was a, I think they came out in the second half, and the, the first play was Bijan up the gut for for eight yards, and 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 you know just looking great second one was another gain of seven yards with good line play good Bijan you know getting every earning every yard and he looked over to the sideline and he just did a feed me kind of motion um and I said okay okay he's he's locked in for the second half and in the bag and, and it's not wrong he was I mean he looked like a transcendent player who who you know it's it's crazy that his like what he does behind the line of scrimmage what he does against a good again a really good like not pretty good a really good tackling really good schemed uh team is is you know nuts he he basically came in averaging 111.4 a game but you know he does more than that with with all of uh the catches with with just the 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 you know behind the line of scrimmage yards he's getting uh he's averaging 80.5 yards after contact per game forcing eight missed tackles which feels low um but basically i mean he's just like he he did that again had a fantastic catch for the second week in a row um just looks like every bit i mean 171 yards on 41 snaps not touches snaps in the game um i mean he 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 was the guy he was everything we wanted him to be in this one and we again speaking of it needed every one of those yards on their last scoring drive it was both Bijan and Roshan combining for 72 of the 75 yards on that that last scoring drive so um yeah I mean they showed up there was a point in the first quarter I when I on my rewatch I saw Roshan get frustrated on the third down when they got off the field and you could see him just kind of shouting at the team clapping saying you know we gotta wake up and 11 a.m kicks are, are terrible it's uh no one wants those including the team um but they needed to be woken up and and again who's the guy you look to right you look to your two running backs who, who they do it in different ways Roshan's the more vocal one but they both did it with their actions on on Saturday yeah and I mean again that like it was culture it was what Texas has been trying to establish and try to figure out to no avail for a very long time and it seems like maybe just maybe it's clicked we mentioned Xavier Worthy as we talked about the quarterbacks but uh I think X is back I think it's safe to say that eight receptions <laughs> 72 yards two scores including the go-ahead on just the filthiest side, like goal line route I've seen in my life Jay Witt man like I I needed Jay Witt to do what Jay Witt did on like I didn't realize 
how much I needed that until it happened. Two receptions, 27 yards, including a massive touchdown in which he went and celebrated with the mascot himself, JT Sanders. Um, a rather a, a somewhat pedestrian game from him, three receptions, 37 yards. But he happened to um, – apparently he got under Matt Campbell's skin <laughs> uh, toward the end of the game, and, and uh, things got a little dicey and spicy. NSFW, if you're uh, watching – if you've got somebody in the room that can read lips uh, – just don't. Yeah, you, you know it's 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 funny. I was uh, after the the game on on Saturday. I ended up uh, heading out and having dinner at Matt's Hill Rancho, and then we went out to uh, a Gibson Street Bar in Austin, Texas. And uh, I don't know if it was uh, an organized outing or what, but there was a group of about twenty people. Uh, signing, doing American Sign Language, and you have to be careful in a bar, right? You don't want to walk in between that. Like I was being very cognizant the first time I walked. Like you're not just going through a bar you're walking in the middle of someone's conversation so you gotta be cognizant but uh i was thinking about it as as i walked through there i was like man all of those players or all of those uh, fans absolutely uh think matt campbell's a dirtbag because he loudly uh if you're reading lips was shouting um you know things that are, are not a- specific things things right correct that are that are not appropriate especially towards uh 18 year olds but I, or 19 year olds but I'll, I'll leave that uh for for another day um good for good for this Texas team getting under their under skin good for them uh you know not being a smirking coach's uh contract extension in payday right because you beat Texas you take that into your end of season review and say well I beat Texas so I'll take uh, two more years and a couple more million right like that's what some of these Big 12 coaches have been doing. Gary Patterson made a career off it. But, uh, you know, now he's on the other side. Uh, I'll just say you love to see it. There's no two ways around it. And, you know, the the last thing I want to talk about when we talk about the offense is third downs, right? And when you look at 6 of 13, it's not necessarily great, right? Not great. They failed to convert on, on a third down in the opening two drives. But Texas is finally showing some progress there. Um they were 15 of 45 through the first four games on third downs. The last three games, they've been hitting about 56%. Again, they would have killed for six first down conversions against Alabama or against any of those teams throughout the first half of the year. We'll talk about third downs for the defense, but I, I one or two additional first, first downs a game, third down conversions a game, and this Texas offense goes from really good to excellent. I think that's something like, like I'm thinking like next level, coming out of the locker room, they didn't convert a third down on either of the first two drives. Like There's an opportunity there for them to, again, put their foot on the throat and really end a game before a team could come back. Especially because Texas is, has been really money on first downs, right? They can take shots, but it's especially on first downs after they just converted a first down. So whether that's on second down, third down, or they went on fourth, whatever, their next play, that first down, they have some really dynamite stats where they've, you know, they take the shot and they hit it. Or, you know, that's when that's when Sark likes to scheme it up because it's safe, right? You can get something back on second down and get back on, on schedule pretty easy. Um, so third downs are not only crucial because – they are, you know, keep your drive alive and they keep things going. But specifically the way Sark likes to call, you get that conversion. There's a good chance you get the shot and you get, even if it's not the deep shot, you get a chunk play and you, you change trajectory, you know, field position points, drives the game, right? So these are these are crucial, crucial um, incremental improvements that if they can just keep on the track of getting better and better each week, um, you know, again, 6 of 13 not the best thing in the world but 6 of 13 against a defense that isn't making mistakes they're not making blown coverages like that just doesn't happen with them the way they play their safeties like you just don't get that guy standing 
what it felt like. We'll talk about the defense they had um, just behind everybody. <laughs> like that doesn't happen. So getting those first downs and being methodical, it's crucial in this game plan. And, and, and it was absolutely necessary. The offense did enough to get done, right? That's that's the story of the game. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't pretty, but it was just enough to get it done. And thankfully, the defense did that as well. So defensively, um, there's this weird, and I'm just going to go ahead and call it out at the beginning. Like, I don't understand people that want to fire Pete Kwiatkowski. Like, I I just don't get it, Kyle, and I'm going to say that uh, with my full chest. I Like, I understand people being frustrated by third down defense, right? Like, I get that, but Texas is 3-0 and uh, in games where they give up 50% or more of their third down conversion, <laughs> so maybe it's not as much of a leading metric as we think it is. But, like, Texas, when it comes down to it, this is the stat that jumped out to me, is that this is the first time in four years that Texas has held Iowa State to less than 100 running yards. This is the first time in four years that Texas has beaten Iowa State. That's the that's the metric mm-hmm. that I'm like looking at. I'm like, that, they took away what Iowa State really wants to do because Iowa State really wants to beat you up on the ground. That's what they want to do. And so Pete Kwiatkowski, you can you can be mad about getting off the field on third downs. We, could, we already talked about it, the lack of complimentary football kind of screws you on some of that because if Texas scores 11 points instead of three on the first two drives of the, first, uh, of the second half, the defense can play the second half a little bit differently and things look more like West Virginia and less like what we saw on Saturday. But that's a whole other conversation. Texas, I think... As we isolate, the thing that jumps out to me is Iowa State could get absolutely nothing going on the ground, and so they forced it into Hunter Decker's arms, and Hunter Decker's made some plays, but when push came to shove, it wasn't enough. Yeah, and, and look, right, like it, the thing with, with Texas this year that they've specifically and uniquely designed this defense for is keep it in front of your football, right? Like, and if you have a linebacker who's going to make goal line interceptions, that'll, that lends to bend, don't break. And that's great. Um, <clears throat> I don't necessarily want to have to rely on that, but they, they keep it in front of them and they don't let the explosive plays. This game was, was a little bit different. They were a little bit more open. And I don't know if losing Ryan Watts early was that crucial to the game plan that it, that it undid some things they brought freshmen in and they, they had really kind of specific assignment football. We know Texas plays a bunch of, you know, an exorbitant amount of zone and middle open zone, right? Like cover two, cover four, um, where that's the soft spot in a, in a zone. And, and, you know, you can sit in there and, and get it. You can run some complimentary routes and you can get it. Um, but it also keeps the big place down. This was an interesting one because um, when they had some freshmen in there, you saw, uh, some big plays, right? The 54-yard pass uh, for a touchdown in the I believe, third quarter. Um, you know, that was A, a freshman getting beat on the route, but it was also a senior biting on a, a really good, admittedly, but play action. Like, we've been, you've been crushing the run, and I know that you keyed on stopping the run. That was in the game plan, but, like, come on. You got to have eye discipline when you're a single high safety. Um, and so, you know, that big play, right? There was, uh, a, you know, a 27-yard pass, a, a 20, a 21 uh, a 20, a 21. It's, it's, it's kind of crazy. Like you, you don't expect first the Iowa state defense to do that 18 on a third and eight. Um, that 21 was on a third and 13. You don't expect the Iowa state offense to do that. Um, that 20 was on a third and 10. You don't expect the Texas defense to give that up. And so I, I wonder what the counter punch is. Cause they went in on selling the run and you're right, Gerald. And it led to a win, right? They didn't give up the points because they made the plays. So if you're going to be a playmaking defense, you can do that. Um, but I do wonder, right? Like if, if, if you're selling out on not giving up the big plays and they start happening, what are you tweaking next? So I will be watching that for, for PK, but I, I agree. I don't think this is, you know, 
it's tough because the, the, the casual fan, the eye test tells you the defense wasn't elite. But we always said in the offseason, they don't have to be elite. This does not have to be a top 10 defensive unit. Um, you know, they just need to be good. I, I, I think they were good enough. Gerald said it in the beginning. They were good enough. I would like to see them be better in the future. I would like to see them keep making plays, but then also take away a couple plays. If they can do that, they can help cushion some things. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, they... they sold out to, to change Iowa State's identity and challenge them. And, and heck, uh, Hunter Deckers rose to the occasion, especially the second half, and, and made some passes. Um, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that their quarterback who gets – or their, excuse me, receiver, their senior wide receiver who gets 80% of their passing targets, had 10 catches for 150 yards after Ryan Watts, you know, our, our big corner who is going to be matched up against him, goes down early. Um probably not a surprise there but i did hate how open he got i mean even if it's next man up mentality i would have loved that to be seven or eight catches 10 for 154 is a bit much even for a really good receiver who's probably gonna you know play on sundays and and don't hear me saying that like i love what texas like seeing texas get stuck on the field defensively don't hear me saying that but i think we need to temper our expectations on what defense looks like in modern football right yeah, absolutely like if you look at absolutely beta rank if you look at any of these advanced stats groups that kind of identify and isolate like what defense should look like in modern football texas statistically is either one or two in the in the conference right beta rank has them i think at one SP plus has them i think at number one right fei is still coming out but i think they're number two at fei they were number two at fei last week so like when you look at like what defense is in modern football like texas is doing well and, and you said it and you stole my words and it's fine but like we don't need with what texas can do offensively the defense doesn't need to hold people to 12 points that that's not football in 2022 maybe 1992 but not 2022 right texas holding a team to three scores in any football contest in 2022, the year of our Lord 2022, is winning football, is winning defense. And that's what Texas has done. Outside of one game this year, they have helped every opponent to 21 points or fewer. And that's winning football in 2022 because the Texas offense isn't going to score 24 points most weeks. They're going to score 35 or 40. Like that's what we need from the defense is keep them to two or th- keep them to three scores. We'll put up six and we'll go win a championship, right? It's like what they're doing now is winning football. We're just not we're still not conditioned to seeing what it looks like and is it perfect no are they getting off the field as often as i would like them to no but again there's some complimentary things missing and there's an opportunity for some of the young guys to step up and make some plays but when push comes to shove 21 points or fewer in six out of seven stinking games is really freaking good like i don't know any other way to say that it's a great point, Gerald. And look, we, we, we suffer from from as much as any any fan who's listening to this podcast or, or, you know, opponents if you're listening. Welcome, Iowa State fans. The team that you watch, right? Like, you, you, you know all the best parts of the team. You know every flaw of the team as well. You see all the pimples on said prom queen. I know our identity under a Sark team is going to be an offense. Like, that is modern. Like, no one is sitting here saying, man, Tennessee's defense sucks. Like, that's not the narrative. Tennessee won a big game against Bama. They gave up 60 points, right? Like, uh, good for them for getting enough on offense. Like, when you just watch, if you're not a Texas fan and you tune in, you watch, what do you see from this game? Man, Texas defense made a big stop right at the end to take the ball away to win the game for them. Like, that's the narrative that the rest of the country is taking away from this, right? If you're not deep in the analytics or, or you know, you're, you're not hate-watching as a Sooner or, or Aggie fan. Um, though the analytics like us. But, um you know, you know what I mean? You watch this team, and I get it, with such fervor uh, and religiosity that, that you see everything that goes right and you see everything that doesn't. 
and and you weigh that. You're not necessarily watching every uh, Ole Miss, every uh, you know um, Tennessee. You know, like you're not watching these other good teams that are inside the top five, top eight. Um, and seeing they have a lot of these same flaws. Like Gerald said, this is defensive football. Like I, Illinois is really good. They're good at defense. They play a lot of man coverage. They do it better than anyone can figure out how a team is doing right now. But they're not a particularly good offensive team. They have an identity. That's what they do, right? Like you can't kind of – I always joke about it. You can't max out everything on your XP. When you create a player – like when I was 13, I used to always make them a 99 and everything. But it runs out of being fun. It's not real, right? It doesn't happen. Um you have to spend your points somewhere, right? Your hit points, your experience points, however you like that, uh, somewhere. And this team is going to, as the offensive line matures, as the offensive players get a little bit older in some skill positions, be an offensive-focused team. That's what they want to be. They want to play good enough defense to win. Like Gerald said, if you're giving up less than 21 points with the way this team wants to play, that's winning football. That is. That's 21st century winning football. And you just have to, like, you have to breathe. Yeah, Like, it was not a perfect defensive game. But it was winning. It was winning football. So yeah, as of last week, because we don't FEI usually up, updates on Tuesdays, like pulling back the curtain. We record this on Monday nights for for a Tuesday publish. But as of last week, Texas was eighth in the country in defensive efficiency. Right when you look at that, like that's a really really <laughs> good number. Like they're a top ten. Did you ex- did you expect team. that, Gerald, in the beginning Not of the, the season? Slice. Yeah, if you would uh, based on uh, you and I said it in our season preview. I need they I needed them to go from fifty to twenty. Yeah, is what I sure. needed. Thirty. Like, I think we I said thirty. Think, like twenty is a 20, dream. Twenty is an absolute dream. And yes, like Texas did. Like we we said it in the opening. Like Xavier Hutchinson dropped a wide open go ahead yep. touchdown. Yep. But Texas put itself in position to capitalize on that mistake, yep. right? Because in in previous years. That that mistake is not even consequential for Texas, and really, the, that mistake is Texas's mistake, right? They're going in for the go ahead, and a player needlessly jumps for a catch and falls down, right? Like that to me is emblematic. Hopefully, it's emblematic of what Texas is doing, and hopefully that the breaks are are coming their way. But you know, Xavier Hutchinson really feasted on the fact that like Ryan Watts went out in the second quarter, and he should be back against Ohio- against Oklahoma State. But like Austin Jordan came in, and seeing a freshman who's not quite up for the for the stage, that's just kind of par for the course. He needs to get it together. But um, we have to call out Jalen Ford and his performance oh, on, yeah. uh, on Saturday, right? Like Big Twelve Player of the Week named to the Lombardi. Uh, trophy watch list like one of the top players according to pro football focus um timely interception fumble recovery based off uh, of anthony cook's big um we'll call it you know iowa state fans are very upset about it they're breaking down the film like it's jfk's <laughs> assassination in the Pruder film but like well i don't want to get into the the semantics of of targeting but like the fact that it was called poorly earlier in the year doesn't mean that it should have been called poorly again that means that the rule is inherently flawed and needs to be adjudicated more consistently right but that's neither here nor there that's the call that was made the ball the ball came out according to the refs texas recovered it won the game right like those to me when you are not when when you're not at your best can your best players make one winning play can they make just one more play and that's what we saw from texas right can you just make one more play and that's what texas needed that's what texas got and ultimately texas came away with the win yeah, I just want to give shout out because you talked about Ford and he he was one of the 
best players in the country. It's if if you haven't been paying attention to this podcast and our preview podcast, and, and we're not alone in that. But uh, we talked about him as as maybe the most important linchpin on on this defense this year. He is leading the Big Twelve in total tackles, solo tackles, um, and uh, leads UT with with tackles for loss. So um, he's 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 doing pretty darn good. Um, I also would be remiss if I didn't call out Ryan Watts had seven tackles in the first quarter in 20 snaps. That's hard to do for prime not bad, Gerald not bad. hero, Zach Thomas, uh, shout out to your Miami dolphins. Uh, <laughs> Moro Ojimo, three tackles, one and a half tackles for a lost sack. They didn't get enough pressure in this game. I'll be honest. If there's one thing you want to nitpick, right? Like when you talk about, Hey, how come they beat our secondary? Like you'd like to get pressure on Hunter Deckers um, and, and not give him, the game plan that basically everyone is taking against Texas, like it's it's we say this every week, right? Like they're gonna get the ball out quick and exploit soft zone, and um, you know it is what it is. You have to make winning plays if you're gonna do that, and they did it. So can they keep doing it? But um, yeah, I I, I I thought there were a couple individual players who were stellar. Overshone was was good in this one. It would look even better on the score sheet if he had a uh, a scoop and score blocked punt. For a touchdown, but Anthony Cook did run into the back of him. But um, you know, Overshone flew around a bit, had a good game as well. Um, you know, it, you didn't see the big boys uh, do a ton, but that's because they just ran into a wall and they didn't necessarily have to. But they did. You know, Sweat and 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 Murphy and and uh, Coburn definitely took away the the inside stuff as well. So there are things to talk about, things to pick, but we're talking about a winning team and and. At the end of the day, I'm okay with that side of the ball. If they can do this as a minimum baseline, like, right, this is the worst it gets. If this is it, I'm okay with that. I'm a big fan of Snacks Coburn continuing to have a uh, continuing to have a contract here. He needed it. We needed it. And Texas is better from it. Uh, special teams. Iowa State continues to be a sieve as it relates to special teams. Texas blocked a punt on the opening drive. Should have been a scoop and score. Uh, there, again, Anthony Cook's fumble, forced fumble on the last play of the game uh, was make him making up for basically costing Overshone a score on the opening drive of the game there. Uh, Keelan with another block. Big ups for him. Keelan also had a massive punt or massive return that was called back by a holding call. Um, I think the thing that is problematic for me is Texas now has a scholarship punter and a walk-on punter, and neither of them has been good this year. And it sucks because we're big fan. We're, we are big fans of Isaac Pearson, but like, where is he? Like, that's what I'm trying to figure out. It's like he redshirted last year to get ready for it. Like, I, I need production from this pro kick guy because, like, this is like that is the missing piece. I think for me, as Texas looks at uh, its ability, like 35 yards a punt is not getting it done. Yeah, um, I, I I love what he did specifically in the Bama game. I would like to see um, that again or take a look, right? Like, I understand someone once asked me, like, if you had to pick a, a punt returner who would never fumble the ball or a punt returner who could get you 10 yards to return every time, what would you pick? And it's a punt returner who wouldn't fumble the ball, right? The same thing with your punter. Um, would you take a, a 35, you know, 38-yard average every time? And he never gets blocked, never, uh, never bobbles it. Probably over, you know, a guy who's demonstrated some hand issues, right? And I think that that we've had some amazing pro kick guys, but for whatever reason, uh, kicking that or catching that egg shaped uh, thing that isn't quite the rugby football, um, if you haven't done it your whole life, is is a little bit difficult. So hopefully, Pearson can get that worked out because he definitely has a bit more leg. But um, here's the thing, right? Like Auburn only hits field goals when they matter. We know that about him. He, he can only hit clutch field goals that might be something to watch uh as well but 
I'll give special teams a, a, a B plus in this one just for the block punt and the return that should have been. So quickly, Kyle has taken a lead, extended his lead in the Podstradamus, uh picks nine to seven. Texas did not score 30 plus points. Texas did, however, win the turnover batter. I had Ewers going for 250, did not do that. And Texas did not hit two and a half sacks. So Kyle currently leads the Podstradamus nine to seven. So we'll be back on Thursday with our preview podcast, breaking down the pivotal pre bye week matchup with the Oklahoma State Cowboys. So now's the part of the show where we whip around the rest of campus and we down the 40. It was a winning weekend for a lot of folks on campus. First of all, the best team on campus, most consistent team on campus, who Texas football thinks it is, number one volleyball, swept Kansas State, never in doubt, 25 to 16, 25 to 17, and 25 to 13, before putting the boots to number 18, Baylor, 3 to 1. Texas took the first set, 25 to 19, but Baylor closed the second set on a 6-0 run to win that one uh, after Texas led 22 to 19. Seems like Texas took that personally and won the next two sets, 25 to 17 and 25 to 19. Big weekend from the ladies. Big weekend from Logan Eggleston doing what she does, uh, continuing to just dominate. Logan Eggleston had 20 kills and one ace against against Baylor, had 13 kills and four aces against Kansas State. So this weekend she became the all-time ace leader at Texas just because she can do everything well, um, it seems. And so, you know, not only does she have a crazy hitting percentage, not only can she pass, um, but she's also, you know, our all-time ace leader. Just just. An all-time Longhorn, love Logan Eggleston. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, some of the usual suspects, Maddie Skinner, who now is a usual suspect, good for her, uh, had a solid weekend in both games. Asia O'Neill was there, Sage Kahanahana Torres, um, kills and digs all over the place. Uh, Molly Phillips getting in there. I, I thought this was a this was a great weekend, especially because Baylor posed the biggest challenge remaining on their schedule all year. And yeah, they got a little adversity. They dropped their like sixth set, set of the year or whatever. Um, but they uh, they rallied back and they they did what they needed to and they showed a championship heart. And this is a team that looks every bit the number one team in the country. Yeah, I mean, going on the road and doing what they did to the number 18 team in the country is huge. Next up for Texas, heading to Ames, Iowa uh, on Wednesday to take on the Iowa State Cyclones before coming back home and hosting West Virginia at the Greg on Saturday. Number 22 soccer keeps its unbeaten streak alive with a come-from-behind 2-1 to one victory over West Virginia. West Virginia actually jumped out to a lead early in this one, uh, but Texas took advantage of an early red card ejection and then clo- uh, closed it out late in the second half. Yeah, this this was. I, I saw um, a national soccer writer say this this was this was the moment that he said Texas is is for real. Um, this was a going into West Virginia and winning is no easy feat. They're one of the better teams in the conference. They, you know, a, a really good program. Um, and again, it's always a tough road trip. And Texas has done a lot of their damage this year uh, at home. But going down in the 22nd minute um, and then battling back, uh, I, I thought, you know, showed, and again, not just me, but people who were uh, paid specifically to cover soccer said that this this was, uh, you know, one of the better wins in, in, in Texas uh modernity so i'm um, really proud of them for this one uh i think you know they they don't have a lot left on the schedule they're honestly getting down uh to the nitty and or the gritty and uh they can keep this unbeaten streak in conference basically going to two years like you have to start talking about texas you know being 
a national contender here. That number keeps keeps shrinking a little bit uh, next to their name. I think you, you know it might get into the the teens and 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 see them uh, make a good run. Right again, their their only losses against then number one North Carolina. I think it's funny you talk about Texas soccer in modernity. It's like a thirty year old program, but like I guess there's like the Petrocelli age and then the Kelly age, right? I guess that's like the two the two eras of Texas soccer. But anywho, um, next up for Texas, another team going to Ames, hoping to come out with a win before heading to Stillwater on Sunday. So hopefully they can do what the football team is going to do and beat Iowa State and then Oklahoma State. Cross country was at the. Panorama Farms, Cross Country 23. The men finished third. The ladies finished eighth. Uh, Isaiah Alonzo and uh, Half Two Knight both put up personal bests in their effort. And the men's golf team, still at the Stevens Cup, lost three to two to Stanford uh, after their stroke play last, uh, after the stroke play tournament was last week. Big 12 match play starts tomorrow. Uh, so hopefully they can close out the fall schedule on a higher note than it's been over the last couple of weeks. That's right. They they won match play last year um, and uh, rode that momentum all the way to a national championship. So not calling that again, but you know it's there there for the taking. Um, they've been good, not great, but uh, that's why you play in the fall to get ready for the meaningful stuff in the spring. Hopefully, uh, they can dominate the conference like it seems every other team on campus is doing these days. That brings us to the part of the show where we honor one of the newest and biggest, even bigger traditions in all of college college athletics. Big Bertha. And Big Bertha 2, and we bang the drum, brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? Banging the drum, but now 10% bigger um, on, uh, you know, I, I thought a, a little bit about where do I want to leave this, and, and we're, we're getting ready to preview the basketball season, and I realize that means, you know, football is, is coming to its midway point. We're, we're well-established, you know, getting on the second half. Um, and I never specifically read out one of my favorite traditions in college football. Um, I've known for the satirical better know our roster section of the Texas pregamer RIP um, and uh, you know doing previews based solely on people's names and it got me looking probably at more names in the country than anyone else and so every year um, there's there's a you know an all name team it goes all the way back to the the name of the year tournament that was cross sports that was a dead spin thing back in the day and uh, I just wanted to point out I'm going to read some absolute bangers. There's a couple that you know, right? Like there's some players in here that you know. At this point, you know General Booty, Oklahoma's quarterback. You know Tank Tank Bigsby. That's a great name. Um, you probably don't know J- <clears throat> Javensky Schlenbaker out of Wazoo. Uh, if you paid attention, Boogie Knight is the best receiver at ULM, but Booby Curry is the best receiver at Buffalo. I don't know, but he's the best named one. To Coldest Crawford, you heard that name up at Nebraska. J- Jaeger Bull. That's right, Jaeger Bull. Former Rice guys at Wake Forest, now tight end. Um, the offensive line is just so great. You know, you could go 20 deep on this, but Dylan Deathridge, uh, Wing Green from Georgia Tech's wing offense, Tiger Shanks at UNLV, Panda Askew from Charlotte, and uh, and Malasala Amuvave Lalu at Oregon was my favorite uh, name there. You go to the defensive side, you have Shittasilla, of course, from Boston College. That's Shittasilla. Um, Demon Clowney from Ole Miss, which is just feels like you know. Uh, uh, I feel like Dabo shouldn't have recruited that guy. Yeah, well, I, I feel like it should have been a, like a mid two thousands uh, free Darko college football blog where you just take someone's name. Um, but uh, Blazon Lono Wong out of Arizona State, Fish McWilliams, of course, UAB. Shouts to our boy um, Bernard's Nation's 
finest Daniel Seahorn. Um, Buck Coors is the most Wyoming linebacker name I have ever heard in my life. His name is Buck Coors, which is incredible. Uh, Hot Rod Fitton out of South Carolina. Uh, Bumper Pool, of course, we remember him from the Arkansas days. Storm Duck, playing for Mac Brown up there in North Carolina. Kool-Aid McKinstry, saw him. Everyone's uh, uh, familiar with him. Um, wasn't going to keep it just Arizona State. We also have Arizona's Ephesians Prysock, a defensive back. And then LSU, this is my favorite uh, LSU name of all time. Major Burns is a defensive back. Major Burns and a place where they just name people general for for fun, um, and you know the booties are from there. Uh, and 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 you know if you're a uh, uh, a captain of industry, you'll probably get you know some level of military uh, nom de plume. Uh, Major Burns as an LSU defensive back feels good, and I, I won't I won't forget. We do have Bubba Boxa uh, from Houston uh, and the the kicker and Patty Turner from Colorado State. Uh, rounding out with the punters. So just wanted to read that off as uh, we're in the throes of football season, the most perfect time on earth, college football season. And, you know, I could go 10 deep. If you want more of these, just just hit me up on the social medias and I can give you, um, I can go 20, 30 more deep. I didn't even talk about Smoke Harris out of Tulsa wide receiver. Uh, there's a Utah player named Money Parks. Uh, I, I could go for a long long time here so uh if you want more mac hippenhammers out of miami ohio just hit me up kyle i love what you just did i'm a little disappointed that you forgot utsa's finest pig cage i did forget pig cage and i made such a big deal to talk about pig cage uh in our in our soft sophomore from kenner louisiana transferred from lsu piggless cage Piglet. Is that actually <laughs> Piglet. Piglet. I should have just went with it because Piglet was perfect. Um, but no, I, I lo- like college football is just the best. I absolutely love it. So I'm thinking the drum this week on a controversial subject and it's fine and deal with it. Um, it brings me no joy as somebody whose day job is like helping organizations establish culture. Watching somebody who thumped their chest on Texas about culture absolutely coming apart at the seams and showing that truly culture is not defined when you're good, but when you suck. Culture is about what it's like when you're down. Culture's about what it's like when you're struggling. Culture's about it's about what it's like when you've lost four conference games, right? And I think when push comes to shove, um, thumping your chest about your culture is not necessarily the way to tell people that you've got the culture, right? Thumping your chest about the culture is often like the guy who talks the loudest that drives the biggest truck and likes to say, my dad, my dad in his infinite wisdom, my dad has this gift of brevity. He said one day he was trying to put his 14-year-old or 15-year-old son in place uh, as I was trying to talk too big for my britches. And he said, son, anybody who's really got it doesn't have to tell a soul, right? And as I think about what happened on Saturday, right? And part of that was JT Sanders talking noise to the sideline. But like when you have a five-star culture, letting a 19-year-old get under your skin as a 42-year-old millionaire doesn't really happen, right? Like the culture's only skin deep when those types of things happen, right? And we've been praying and asking and wishing and offering sacrifices to Jobu and at the Western Wall and at any other place you can for Texas to figure out what its culture needs to be in order to win. And hopefully this Saturday was emblematic of the culture that Texas has. Seeing Jordan Whittington say, Roshan, I got you. I'm going to pick you up and take you an extra three yards and we're going to win this dang game, right? Seeing Bijan saying, feed me, feed me. We've got these dudes, right? Seeing 
Quinn Ewers have his worst game of his career, come out and drop a freaking dime to Xavier Worthy on the goal line, fourth in game. That to me is culture, right? That to me is emblematic of the culture that Texas wants. And so for me, seeing the players take it personally, that these guys beat the living crap out of them a year ago and decided to dance on the grave and say, you know what? We didn't play our best game, but we are going to gut it out. We're going to win it. And that is a culture win to me. And so Texas, I don't know if they fully turned the corner, but seeing signs of life as Texas establishes culture, because again, we said it in the breakdown. We said it on Twitter. Texas lost that game four weeks ago. That is the, that is, if you look at the script of what happens, Texas Tech was Iowa State, right? Iowa State was Texas Tech. And Texas loses that game four weeks ago. And we were really worried after the players-only meeting after the Texas Tech game. And it seemed like they're working. Steve Sarkeesian mentioned it uh, in his presser today that there was no rat poison. They had to come to Jesus meeting this morning, right? Like that to me is signs of good things to happen. Now, it's going to get tested on the road. Texas has yet to win a game on the road this year. Texas has not proven that they can win a game on the road under Steve Sarkeesian. So the true culture test is this weekend. When you go into a hostile environment, when the paddle people are paddling and it's chilly in Stillwater, can you get it done? So the culture test is going to come this weekend. And if Texas can pass that, then I may, just may, it takes a lot for me, may start to feel like they've turned the corner. Yeah, uh... It will be a culture test in Stillwater next week, but I will just say, in the words of the poet Tariq, um, it's corn, a big lump with knobs. It has the juice. I can't imagine a more beautiful thing. Tariq did a better job in a TikTok video describing the culture of the state of Iowa than Matt Campbell has done in all of his 93 years uh, or however long he's been stuck there. Um, it's, it's, it's not a culture. You know, you can't make corn an identity. Uh, here, here's the thing. Um, I feel really bad, Matt Campbell, that you didn't jump earlier and take a mid-tier Big Ten job. I don't know if it was Ohio State or Michigan or where you thought the one was, but I will tell you, Ames is very affordable, and your dollar goes far there. And so, I mean, you know, just just stick it out. Kirk Ferentz is on a lifetime contract, and the guy averages nine yards a game. So um, just ride it out forever. You, the good thing about Iowa is you don't ever have to do much, and you can stay forever. So um, enjoy that culture, Big Matt. And that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? Oh, you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Carp. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. Follow me on Twitter. I am at G.H. Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook em. Hook em. Corner's best when pop.